Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. This is gonna feel real good, alright? Most dope. Everybody, please put hey. a thumb in the air. Hey. Everybody, how you doing? Well, that's good. You're listening to Broad Street Hockey Radio. That's right, BSH Radio. My name is Bill Matz. I'm your director of fun and games for the evening. We have a shitload of stuff to get to today. Uh, it's been a little while since the gang has all been together, so I know I always say let's get right into it, but let's actually get right into it. Lead it off with Stephalicious D, Steph Driver. I was so impressed by what Danny Briere has been doing in the past week that I haven't gotten a whole lot of time to look at the new class of, of prospects because we've had too much other things to focus on. And I think that's awesome. I wouldn't worry about it too much. You know, it's just draft picks. Most of them. When, when are we going to see these guys? Yeah, never, it's, never it's, again. Yeah. Like the sun's going to burn out, but hopefully we get at least like three years down the line so we can see the dude picked at number seven, plenty on him to come. Uh, but first, let's introduce, man, he's looking awfully red today. From TheAthletic.com, Charlie O'Connor. That hair's looking especially, is it a new era of orange for you as well, Charlie? <laughs> I, I do not think so. Uh, possibly Maybe it's because just my it's, computer screen. Possibly because it's the summer, my hair does get more red as I'm out in the sun more. Uh, but no, uh, you know, things are going, trying desperately to keep up with the Flyers because, they really haven't slowed down ever since there was that Saturday where all the trades almost happened and then didn't. Pretty much every day since then, it's been like something. Um, now, currently trying to cover development camp. Um, they just signed Mark Stahl today, so that was something else. So really just trying to like hang in there and survive until things die down again, finally. How big of a something is Mark Stahl, really? I mean, he's going to play he's, for the team most of the year unless he gets traded at the deadline which i mean certainly possible but yeah i mean he's he's a he's a viable nhl player who's played over a thousand games so yeah i definitely have to write on it oh you you certainly do uh but my guess is they're buying a draft pick a little early i mean uh, last agreed. but certain <laughs> last but certainly not least the party hinks Kelly really Hinkle. appreciate, yeah, really appreciate my air conditioner kicking on <laughs> precisely when I had to turn the microphone back on. Sorry about that. Um, yeah, I just wanted to thank everyone who came out to the draft party. Thanks, Steph, for getting everything together for us. She's the one who uh, talked to the venue and got all that shit together. She's the reason you had free French fries for several hours. So, oh. um, thanks to Steph. But we had what looked to me like our largest crowd since the Nolan Patrick party. Um, and it was just a lot of fun. We had Flyers alumni there. They were all very chill and very nice. Dan Hilferty paying for everyone's drinks was wild. Um, it was just a really, really good time. Everyone was in great spirits. It seems like people are reluctantly, but probably not that reluctantly, getting excited about the Flyers again. And that's 
that's good for all of us. I think the like it's a reluctance, but it's 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 like acknowledging. God damn it, they have me again. Yep. Like I really yep. just wanted like take a year off, and they've done. More good than bad thus far. Uh, we're going to get into all of it because, like I said, it it feels like Charlie mentioned that Saturday where all the trades almost happened and it didn't feel like that was a month ago, uh, but it was, what, like a week and a half, whatever the hell it was. Regardless, uh, I just want to talk about the Kevin Hayes trade real quick. Not even Kevin Hayes, uh, just not even the trade, really, but just him. Um, I'll always respect the guy. Not only willing, but determined to play at the end of 2022 uh, when the season was over and G was gone. And that showed me a lot of character. Uh, Then, like, after losing his brother and coming back from three core muscle procedures, uh, which we know from G and Ghost take a full year to recover from, uh, he came up a point shy of his highest career total while actively feuding with a bullheaded head coach. Uh, I like Hayes and hope he has success in St. Louis. And we haven't had a lot of entertainment here in Philadelphia hockey for several years. And the guy was entertaining as hell. You know, he's, he's, he's just texting the team during the pandemic, telling everyone, Hey, love you. Like just checking in with everybody. His celebrations were fun. He was funny. I'll always respect Kevin Hayes. Good luck, bro. I'm glad that you said that. Cause I actually decided Sometime in the middle of, well, actually, it was, I think, right before the Hayes trade, I decided that John Torrell is a problem, and now he's my sworn enemy. So get ready for that for the rest of the season. Um, I think there are definite pluses and minuses, and we're going to talk about some of the minuses coming up soon. I think the Hayes thing in particular was pretty shitty, because one thing that doesn't, like, you just acknowledged it, but a thing that I don't hear people bring up very often is that the shift in Hayes' personality and his play on the ice coincided with his brother dying. So, like, he wasn't, you know, the Kevin Hayes that was joking all the time and fucking around and having, a, you know, being, like, the life of the party. And it didn't seem like the team gave him a lot of grace with regard to his play after returning from that injury and losing his brother. It, it just like all of it felt kind of shitty to me because Hayes wasn't a bad player. Like he no. was never a bad hockey player for us. It was just John Tortorella decided that he didn't like him because he doesn't back check hard enough or whatever. And I don't know. It just all of it feels shitty to me. And I also hope that Kevin Hayes has a good time in St. Louis. It was nice that they were able to get him to a team that's not total garbage. So and it, like, hopefully it's fun out there. Well, just talking about the just talking <laughs> I, about no, I said not total garbage. It's not very good. Just talking about that injury specifically, like, there is a concern of mine if they were to, like, want to hold on to Hayes or compete anytime soon, like, which, you know, obviously not happening. The dude wasn't exactly fast to begin with, yeah. and, listen, Shane Gossespierre is still a nice player. Uh, zero explosion compared to what he used to have after that injury. And, like, th- there are actual concerns with his health moving forward, but, like... I don't know that that salary dump kind of seemed d- disrespectful, but I, I, it is I what think, it is. Yeah. They're they're all trying to move. Yeah. On. I, I I think on on my side with Hayes, and I feel like I may have articulated this on the show before, but if not, I want to articulate it now. I, I want to preface this by saying that you know one of the things that I had a lot of people, particularly in my comments section, there were a lot of people who very much got on this train that they just decided that 
Kevin Hayes at the end of last season just mailed it in and just didn't care anymore and that that was disgraceful and that that's why we all hate Kevin Hayes now because he just doesn't give a shit. And I will preface this by saying I always hesitate to try to put myself in the shoes of a player and try to put myself into his head and say that I know for a fact that this player wasn't trying as hard as he could have and he doesn't care because to me, like, number one, that's the biggest insult you can throw at a player. Just say, like, yeah, it's it's much more critical for me to say, like, this guy doesn't give a shit versus me saying this guy isn't playing well because the, the one can be backed up in facts. The other is an opinion that speaks directly to the guy's integrity. So I'm going to avoid doing that in general. However, and I'm not saying this is definitely the case with Kevin Hayes, but let's take a step back here for a second. Let's say that you are a marketing manager or something, okay? And that's your job. And the year before, as a marketing manager, your brother died. Then you had three separate serious injuries that made it so you couldn't even function at work at all. And you very easily could have went out and, you know, continue to take sick time and kept your job and whatever. And instead, despite that awful year, you came back early and did as much as you could because you felt like the team and felt like the fact that they were paying you, that you you owed it to them to give them your biggest effort. You do all that. Then the next season, as, as a show of gratitude for what you did the year before, you get a new manager who hates you who says you can't actually do the job that you've done well for like seven years before that. And then the team tells you with the trade deadline, basically, yeah, we're trying to move you. Not the trade deadline. Let me, let me just continue the metaphor. The team tells you that like, yeah, we're going to like try to transfer you to an entirely different department because you just don't fit here anymore. You know what? I think that the vast majority of people would say, you know what? Fuck this shit. I'm maybe Fair. not I'm maybe not going to work as hard because clearly I gave my all for this team and you guys are just cr- treating me like crap. So like try to put yourself in the shoes of another person for once and if that happened to you at your job, would you really feel like you, you know, you should be giving it 110% because clearly the people above you aren't treating you well at all. So if Kevin Hayes wasn't giving 110% the final month and a half of last season, I don't consider that to be a negative on his character. I consider that to be what pretty much anyone in existence would do given the circumstances. I, I think it's the bare minimum because I would <laughs> if I'm him, if I'm him, my abdomen hurts and I ain't coming to work. <laughs> like, yeah. no, nah, I think I might I I need to I need to get this figured out. It's starting to starting to hurt. Like my contract's guaranteed. Go ahead, buy me out. I get a check. I get a yep. check every July first for next thirteen years or whatever the fuck it would be, <laughs> eight years, something like that. Uh, I it like uh, above and beyond with with Hayes. I wanted to get to him a little later, but since we're doing it now, any other thoughts on the trade itself or to to, to Kelly's question or statement about John Tortorella? When you see what they got back, and it's nothing and they have to cover half of his salary, and granted, he's not worth that salary anymore, and you want something back, I get it. Is this where John Tortorella's candor, personality, flaw, whatever, specifically when it comes to negotiating trades, like, hey, you, uh, he can't come back. We cannot bring this guy back because him and the coach are going to get in a fist fight. Um, What will you give us for him? And the other team goes, not a lot. 
Yeah. Remember when his coach went on TV and said that he sucked? Like, you can't do that shit, John. Like, stop doing that. Like, if you want to tell your players behind closed doors that they're garbage, um, for whatever reason, okay. But, like, the team's entering a stage in which every single asset that we have needs to have value because Danny Barrier has to figure out how to maximize all of it to make this team good in three to four years. So you can't have the coach going out in front of Charlie and all of his coworkers and being like, uh, yeah, Travis Konechny, like he's, you know, we're not very happy with him. His play's been garbage. Like we don't like his effort or his attitude. Like, okay, no, don't, don't do that because maybe we need to trade Travis Konechny. And if every other general manager hears that the Flyers are now in a position where they have to trade him because the coach doesn't like him, then you've put Danny Breer behind the eight ball. And like, that's not a position where he needs to be starting from. So I I know that they can't make Tortorella stop because nothing can make him stop. Um, But I I do think that if he decides to, to find another player to put into his doghouse, hopefully it's not a player that we need Hopefully. To have any value because hopefully it's, it's someone be who actually does suck. Yeah. Could like, it be Nick Delaria or something? Like, could it be something that doesn't matter? Like a guy that we can't do anything fighter. with anyway? Like, I don't know. So, so here's just, I, I do kind of want to quibble with a little bit of this perception. I, okay. I don't think that it helped any that Tortorella was openly making it clear that he couldn't coexist or didn't want to coexist with Kevin Hayes. I don't think that helped his trade value at all. However, Ryan Johansson did not have a coach saying that he stunk and regularly shitting on him in the public, and Ryan Johansson got traded for literally nothing. He got traded for Alex Galchenyuk, who Nashville did not trade, and they also retained half the salary. So I, while I don't think it helped at all that Torts was regularly criticizing Hayes and making it clear that the Flyers needed to trade him— I think what hurt Hayes' value much more than that was just the fact that he's a decent middle six overpaid center that the team was trying to move because they wanted to clear cap space. Like, I maybe it, if if there was a world where Tortorella isn't regularly criticizing Hayes, maybe you get a fifth-round pick. But I don't think this is a case of, like, if Torts isn't the coach, then you get back a third or a second for Kevin Hayes. Like, I just don't think the market was going to allow you to get and, much value back for him given the cap it and given the fact that in his second best season, he still only scored like 54 points. Like the cap didn't go up and that's what hurt the Kevin Hayes deal more. That, than I don't actually have a problem with the actual trade. I think it is what it, it is. is what it is. Yeah. They had to move him, but to Charlie's point, you look around the league, the flat cap is killing everybody. Yeah. Nobody has, nobody has money. So anyone making any money is worth way less than you think. Even if like, they're kind of good. I think you can... <laughs> no, they're not yeah. stars, but they're kind of good. Yeah, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Like, I think you can... The real crux of this torts argument really comes down to what the Flyers are trying to build. Like, you can make the case that, like, it's bad that the Flyers were put in the position where they had to trade Kevin Hayes because torts can't coexist with him. And that's a completely fair position to take because you can say, look, Kevin Hayes is a good hockey player. He might be overpaid, but he's a good hockey player. And it would be nice if the Flyers had a coach that could could have found a way to make it work. The thing is, though, is that, like, the whole, like, a key aspect of their entire strategy right now 
is to use Tortorella to build the culture they're looking to build. So if if you're going to make that as like, you know, he's part of the triumvirate of leadership. He's one of the three yeah. the three pillars of this thing. So if you're making it in one of your three pillars, you kind of have to listen to him if he says, I can't win with this guy and we can't build a winning culture, the winning culture that I want to build, that you have hired me to build with this particular guy. Now, whether John Tortorella can actually do that or not, that's a matter of opinion. And like, yeah, they might be wrong that John Tortorella can actually construct this winning culture and he should be the person making these decisions. But if you're going down this road, you kind of have to trade Kevin Hayes because you've decided that John Tortorella is going to be the decider of who is a winner and who isn't. And he clearly decided that he doesn't think Kevin Hayes is a winner in terms of the way he he defines the term. So you're kind of stuck. You kind of got to move him for whatever you can get for him because you've hitched your ride to torts, for better or worse. And... And, like, whether Torts likes him or not, Kevin Hayes, like, why does Kevin Hayes want to spend, like, the end of his, whatever, prime 20s yeah. into his 30s in a rebuild? Like, he's a player who gets moved from a team doing what the yeah. Flyers are doing. Well, well, Regardless, yeah. it just seems like this desperation dump, but that does have a lot to do with yeah. the salary cap and this these middle-class overpaid guys kind of just going by the wayside right now. Well, well I think we should, um, we, we should, like, we should maybe reevaluate kind of how we're viewing John Tortorella's tenure as coach because we talked about this a little bit the idea that like look John Tortorella is he's no spring chicken there's a good chance he's not going to be around as coach when the Flyers get good, good. Yeah. but I no think, chance but I think they and when I say they I mean like Danny Briere, Keith Jones and Comcast as a whole like they almost view John Tortorella as less a coach than a guy who decides will be part of this for the next coach. Like, that's more how they're looking at Torts. Like, that's what they view as Torts' invaluable input and invaluable role here as, like, he'll be able to, to, to figure out whether this guy this guy can be part of it or whether he can't. And he's going to be viewing it, he's going to be taking that role, like, on the ground, not because we expect him to be the coach of the next team that wins a Flyers Stanley Cup, but because he can weed out the guys who can't be part of that team that wins the next Stanley Cup. Again, they that's... might be wrong, but I think that's how they view him right now. Uh, I, that's pretty, I mean, he's not coaching at the end of the year. He's up in the fucking press box talking to the GM. Yeah. Like, what do you think they're talking about? Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. um, so I guess news of the day today, I was, I, uh, I'm on the air at WIP today and I get a caller. Ooh. I get a caller who asks me and Marcus Hayes during the midday show about Ivan Fedotov. And I'm like, oh, no, I don't think I don't think he's coming over like ever, man. Like, I, good see you. And he's like, no. Like, I read this morning that the KHL, KHL might not be registering his contract. So I'm logging into Twitter to see if that works anymore. It did for the time being. And uh, I see like the whole story with like, oh, there's a chance Fedotov comes over like soon. What what's going on here? Like, did anyone else read more about this? Like, it just seems like there is this agreement between the NHL and KHL that if a guy has a, like, valid and existing contract, they won't register a new one in the in the other league, and he's got one of them. He signed it a year ago, but had to go to military jail. Did you see the, uh, the tweet the KHL made today with no. Mitchkoff? They made a tweet that said, I think it said, not so fast, young man, and it's Mitchkoff coming out of the penalty box and going back into the penalty box. 
And like, obviously he can't come over here. Like we all know that, that he's there for the remainder of his contract. But it was just like a very weird, like I, I've heard people make jokes that like Russia and the KHL still hold a grudge against the Flyers because of the whole thing back in the seventies where they got their ass kicked by I make the bullies. The yeah. Well, <laughs> um, but part of me is like every, like I'm starting to be like, wait, like, do they? Like, are there any other teams who have had their Russian players, like, denied to, like, I, I don't know, it just kind of feels like they're fucking with the Flyers, I, I, specifically. So, one thing I want to make clear is that I think people are just going to have to get used to this shit, because, especially Flyers fans, and especially us, because our group of Flyers fans is chronically online. And this is the kind of <laughs> this is the kind of shit that is going to keep happening for people who are chronically online because Russia is a shit show. So there's always going to be this like trickle of rumors where like you don't know if it's true. Like what's this like it's like this Russian sports hub is this Twitter account that's like tweeting all this shit out like like just remember to take all of this shit with a grain of salt, because there's so much going on. It's a geopolitical situation. Like, like, don't don't assume that every single thing you read on Twitter is like actually what is going on. Like, literally, there was a gigantic thing that happened on Friday because this was insanity to me. Because some guy, literally, some guy ran into apparently. I have no way to confirm this apparently ran into Mitch Kopp and his translator in the airport, then responded to a tweet of mine saying, his translator told me he's going to come over next summer, and then tweeted a picture of himself with someone who purports to be Matvey Mitchkov. Then some other random dude on Twitter reported that as if it was news and cited some guy at the airport. And then everyone spent all day on Twitter talking about, oh my God, Mitch Kopp's going to come over next summer. Like, Guys, we all gotta like buckle up a little bit here because this is going to be the next two, three years of dealing with Mitch Golf. It's just gonna be a bunch of bullshit Twitter rumors. Oh, and yeah. Then a, and then a bunch of people taking a bullshit Twitter rumor and presenting it as fact because no one is actually in Russia right now. So like just just remember well, to take all of this with a little uh, bit of a grain of salt. I, I wanna I wanna start There's Go ahead, Steph. There's that, and then there's also the fact that with the geopolitical situation in russia everything could change really quickly like we could be hearing that he's not coming over for three years and then something happens with russia's paula dean and we have (laughs) michev michkov i'm sorry here in like two weeks isn't wasn't it like putin's chef no 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 someone no steph is right it was putin's chef who apparently attempted a coup (laughs) Thank you. It was Russia's Paula Dean. Because if any, listen, I had a really wild, good time man. making jokes about celebrity chefs running a coup in the United States, and I've pretty much landed on it being Paula Dean. If there was going to be anyone, it would be Paula sure. Dean. Um, but it's a lot of butter. Like, a lot of butter. Anything could happen where we see him and Fedotov come over a lot sooner than we expected. And, you know, things could change in the other direction where even at the end of of that contract, we still don't we still don't have any expectations of seeing him here. The problem is, is that we don't have any insight. Exactly what Charlie was saying. We don't have anybody in Russia to tell us what is actually going on. What I do know is that Comcast has enough money to fund an entire mercenary army paramilitary baby if extract 
the assets both and of their families. I, I mean, get them the fuck out. That that said, like, and I actually have like a point I want to make after I make this joke. But like, let's be honest. If Ed Snyder was still alive, he absolutely would hire a mercenary oh, company to 100%. get Mitch Kopp out of He'd be on the phone with without, Black Ops. Without a hesitation. Weeks ago. Black Ops. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. 100%. But, Orange and Black Ops, damn it. Orange and Black Ops. I love that. Uh, <laughs> he would have been financing Paul and love that. Just kidding. Just But going, kidding. going back to Fedotov for a second, look. I, I still would be very surprised if Fedotov ever plays a game in Philadelphia for a couple reasons. Number one, like he, the guy just like the guy tried to come over once and then got sent to join the military. That was what happened the first time. I'm not holding my breath that the second time would go any better. Number two. Now the flyers have a very, very good reason other than that to not antagonize the KHL further in that their top prospect is property of a KHL team. So like they probably don't want to piss off the KHL on Fedotov who like at best is maybe like a decent one B goalie. So they don't have a less chance of getting Mitchkoff over here in two, three years. So like maybe don't go that number three. I think the flyers, honestly, and this is just a gut feeling. I think the Flyers honestly are looking at looking at this as like, look, we played at least, and we played played an unintentional role in screwing this kid's life up for a year. Like maybe, like we don't want to be the cause to get this guy sent to jail. So like they're gonna tread very very lightly on this. Like sure, if, if the KHL calls them up and is like, look. We're sorry, you can have the guy. Literally, we'll pay for his trip to, to North America. Then, yeah, I'm sure they won't say no. But, like, I really don't think they are going to be pushing this at all. I see, I took it another way in terms of, uh, in terms of the Mishkov part of this. It was like my first thought was okay, we're recognizing his three year contract in the KHL, and we're going to leave him alone for three years. He's yours, and then he can come over when he chooses. How about y'all honor the contract one of your guys has with us then? Like, eh, let's make this work both ways, like a, some sort of backroom deal hey, or something. That's you know That what? was my first it's, thought, it's but again, Russia. who the fuck knows? It's Russia. Everything yeah. is done in <laughs> backrooms, so maybe. Yes. That, that, I think that's the way they're, we gotta they, look at everything. Which their is buildings like don't have fronts. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Um. So, like, does... Uh, I don't know. I was kind of excited to hear this today. No one actually thinks he's, I, he's got a chance to come over. I'm extremely skeptical. It it's a. I wanted to use I wanted to use Fedotov as a uh, a segue to the draft because I got a lot of questions over the last couple of days about the Flyers drafting two goalies in the uh, second and third rounds. I think right is yes. that what it was? Yeah. So they yeah. So and, so they they traded up in the second round to get Bjarnason who is a WHL goalie. Um, and then they, and then they, took, another they took another one with their next pick. So, yes, two goalies <laughs> in, in the one in the uh, second, one in the third. I got questions about it, and I was like, listen, they lost, they lost the Russian goalie last year. Felix Sandstrom is an unrestricted free agent after this year. They need to replenish the system. And then it's like, oh, well, maybe they didn't lose one of them. <laughs> so, But just, I, who the hell knows? Yeah, uh, starting yeah. out, Starting out with uh, Matvey Michkov at number seven in the uh, draft that just took place last week in uh, Nashville, Tennessee. It's what we all kind of were hoping for, I think, yep. because 
Why wouldn't you want the second or third best player in the draft at number seven? It's a move they had to make if he was there, and they did. They took the big swing we've been asking them to take. Their number one problem, a lack of great players. This dude is on a trajectory to be a great player. When I hear he is the top Russian prospect since Malkin and Ovechkin in 04, and his closest comparable might be Nikita Kucherov, I go, oh, good job, boys. Uh, we've all we've all talked on and off the air about the potential of drafting Mitchkov. It happened. What was your initial reaction? Holy shit, they actually did the thing we wanted them to do. Yes. Because I do think that there was a big fear when Mitchkov fell that they were going to walk up there and do something safer. We were going to get call fielded again. Right, because they're... With a much better player. A a reason for us to believe that the Flyers would do such a thing because they've done it multiple times before. But they didn't. They walked right up there and stumbled over the word KHL for some reason. That's not a word. You know what I mean? And then took the guy that we all wanted them to take. They made the best possible choice. And more than anything, I think that's what people are excited about. I mean, obviously they're excited for the player, but they're excited about the fact that the Flyers are taking a chance because there is a chance. There's a reason why he dropped to seven. Like there is a chance that he can't ever come over here and we're totally fucked out of it. But if he does, it's going to change the franchise and the Flyers needed to take that kind of chance and they did. And that's awesome. Yeah, there was like palpable relief when they didn't screw it up. Yeah, I I think it's just, it's exciting on a couple levels. Number one, because like this guy, if he comes over, is just a really, really fun player to watch. Like that's going to be exciting. It's he, He's appointment viewing, like watch his freaking YouTube reels. They're they're pretty freaking awesome. Um, <laughs> he does the Michigan all the time, apparently. <laughs> it's just like part of his repertoire, yeah, right? It's like a wrist shot. But I, I think for me, what's exciting especially about it is that it, it it serves as final evidence that like the flyers legitimately understood what they needed like there was still a feeling where you know are they really going to try to do this rebuild without actually having like the kinds of guys that can be the top players on a stanley cup team like are they gonna are they gonna try to do this rebuild with the assumption that like Cutter Gauthier is the best player they're gonna draft in this rebuild that like he's good and then they're gonna hope that yeah. like the the sixteenth overall pick in twenty twenty four is gonna turn out to be Claude Giroux like is that the plan and by taking Mitchkoff with all the risks that are involved with him and there are quite a few it shows that they realize like hey if we want to actually build a cup team we need like a guy who's an actual superstar. And as much as I really like Ryan Leonard, and I do, Ryan Leonard I would have been fine with as a pick if Mitchkoff was gone. I really think he's going to be a darn good player. Like, I don't think Ryan Leonard is the kind of guy who can be the top player on a team that wins the Stanley Cup. Like, I just don't. Whereas, Mave Mitchkoff has that ceiling. Whether he gets to that ceiling remains to be seen. But at least he took a swing on a guy who actually does have that plausible ceiling as being a guy where, yeah, he can be the tops. He can be a hundred point guy in the regular season and compete for MVPs, and then be a guy that teams are scared of in the playoffs. That they have to, they have to game plan to stop. They have not had a guy they the teams have had to game plan to stop since Claude Giroux left his prime. They haven't had it. They since haven't had Giroux, that guy. since Giroux had the abdominal injury. Yeah, like that's really what it is. Yeah, 
And Mitch Koff can be that guy, and I love the fact that they recognize that they needed a guy like that, and they need to take big swings in order to get a guy like that. Now, it's definitely a very exciting proposition here. You know, I Charlie told me, you know, I think I think if he's there, they're going to take him, and then they did, and I said, you've done your job, good sir. So, <laughs> did you enjoy, did you get some hot chicken? Um, I did not get some hot chicken, but I did have a really, really good steak the final night. All right. I guess I guess I'll allow it. Um I was at the Jason Kelsey event on Wednesday, the oh, nice. uh, charity event in Where they Seattle, just drank a lot of beer. And yeah. It was fucking incredible. <laughs> I've never seen anything like it. Uh, Jason Kelsey is not just a Super Bowl champion, but an all-time drinking champion. Um <laughs> feels right. Uh, it's it's truly truly incredible. Uh but there was, you know, the draft is on there. It's you know, there's some outdoor TVs uh, at the OD and at Patty's uh Patty's on the green. And the draft is on a couple of them, and I'm off doing something else. I'm a couple deep at this point, and uh, someone comes up and just yells at me, Bill, they fucking did it! I have no <laughs> idea who this person was, by the way. No idea. <laughs> Hopefully Bill, a listener. they fucking did it! I, I assume. And I'm like, what? Wait, did the Flyers make the pick? He just goes, yup, Mitchkov, dude. I was like, I, I was legitimately jumping up and down, like... I have no idea if he's going to turn out. I don't know how to grade a prospect. I'm just telling you what I've read and been told about the guy. It is genuinely exciting to have a guy with this sort of upside who, in a draft that might be the best since, like, 2003, if all things were equal, would have gone, like, second or third. That's, uh, that's an exciting proposition. That's, that's all it is. We'll see how it all works out. Uh, glad they took the swing. People at 22, though, not nearly as pleased. I love it because the fucking guy's name is Bonk. Bonk. Uh, Oliver Bonk, right-handed defenseman, drafted at 22nd overall. Sounds like he's a um, defensive specialist, which obviously no one's ever going to be excited about. But you do need to play defense. I don't think that's quite fair. I think he's definitely I, more. He's definitely going to excel more defensively than offensive. But I don't think we're talking about like a Nick Grossman here. Uh, he's, but like, yes, he's like defensive specialist better than um, who? The guy that we just had three different times. Who I'm suddenly blanking on. We joked Justin about him. Ju- yeah, Justin Braun. Braun. Like oh, okay. he's not gonna. I can't. The guy who's been like the subject of the show for the last two years. I can't remember his name. Like, he pro- like more productive than Justin Braun, I'd say. Yeah. But everything sounds like his. He's best at defense. Yeah, and, actual and, and defending. I've watched him for two days of development camp, and I would say that that's what I've come away most impressed with as well. Is that he's. He, he looks like he's pretty good at killing plays, and he's active in the defensive zone, and I've liked what I've seen. But yeah, he hasn't flashed like too much of a, dy- a dynamic element to me yet. You know, this is a pick where I don't doubt that they really like Oliver Bonk. I don't doubt that. I don't doubt that the Flyer Scouts were very high on him. However, and they will never admit this, I do suspect that the fact that they took the big swing on Mitchkoff probably had an impact on who they took with the second first round pick because if it's if it's like okay we're taking the big swing on Mitchkoff there's a chance that he just never plays for this team if that's the case let's say we at least got something out of this first round and I think Oliver Bonk is pretty like his floor to me is useful third pair defenseman his ceiling is like really good top four defenseman I don't think he's got like 
hey, this dude can be a star-level defenseman where he's making all-star teams and impact guy and whatever. But, like, he makes sense to me as a guy who you look at and you watch him play and you're like, you know what? He makes a lot of sense next to Cam York in three years for the next six. Like, that... That, to me, is this pick. Where, like, stylistically, it works. And I, he's pretty much guaranteed to be an NHL defenseman. He may not have the ceiling at, as compared to, say, a guy like Gay Perot, who was available, who I gather most people on Twitter wanted the Flyers yes. to take. But That's like, what it sounds like, yep. They, mm-hmm. The Flyers very well might have looked at it as, like, look, if we would have taken David Reinbacher with the seventh overall pick, maybe we take the big swing on Perot at 22. But... We just took Mitch Koff. Let's make sure we have somebody who we know is an NHL player. And to be fair, I I know you don't really you're not supposed to draft for position, but the Flyers are really in a position where they kind of need to build an entire defense yeah. from the ground up. Yeah, it's like they don't really have just, one. Like I said, they needed to replenish the goaltending. Like yeah, they just traded a defenseman. There's probably going to be some more. There's not a ton of dudes in the system that you're looking like. Oh yeah, definitely going to be a part of this thing. Like on the blue line, you probably need some. You're yeah, like York. I feel some. like York is the only like yeah. guaranteed, definitely yes, for I sure going to be part of the defense, which is you know and a Nick bit terrifying, but. Oh, Nick Sealer for sure. You can't trade him. He's very valuable. <laughs> yeah. Don't trade Nick. Probably, probably Justin Braun too. Uh, he'll come he, back. Hey, he's playing back. in Germany no, this year. Fletcher's apparently. gone. Fletcher's he gone. He can get bored. Yeah, he's playing in Germany. He's not fully retired. <laughs> no. The door's still open. Charlie, but that's all a ploy. He's not actually playing in Germany. He's 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 setting up a base camp for the operation oh, to bring over ah, the, the extraction. Go. Part of the extraction. <laughs> I love it. Sense. Come on. Reliable on. in all three zones. Help. Uh, so obviously the f- top two picks, then there's a couple of goalies. Uh, Bjornsson is like the top rated North American goalie this yeah. year by central scouting. So that sounds great. Yeah. Bjorn- Bjornsson's uh, he's anyone else really stand out. I, I actually, I like Cole a lot. Cole That's fun. I liked a lot of players in this draft class, to be honest. I mean, Bjornsson's interesting to me because, you know, he played for Brandon last year. They were real bad, so his numbers don't look good. But I get the sense that he's going to be one of those. Like, he's one of those guys who we could very well see starting for Team Canada at the World Juniors in a year or two. And that'll be fun. Like, it'll be fun to be able to, like, have that guy on that big of a, that big of a stage. Um, the Russian goalie, like, th- the Flyers do this. Like, they did it with Kolosov. Um, they did it with Sam Erson. Like, they really trust their scouts to be able to find European goalies who they feel like are under scouted and then like turn out to be better than people expected. Like this is one, one place where the flyers, cause they actually have like people on the ground oh, yeah. in Russia scouting, yeah. which has yeah. been difficult lately. Yeah. Ken, Ken Hudikoff is based in Russia. Um, he was at the draft. He actually served as Mitchkoff's translator. Um, so they have boots on the ground there. Obviously they scout Sweden pretty, pretty well. So like, I tend to trust them in terms of unearthing European goalies because I think the Flyers just scout them more than most teams do. So, like, sure. Denver Barkey and Alex Siernik are the two guys that are really interesting to me because they're both, I think, as far as mid-round picks go, they're both mid-round swings on talent. And I like that. Like, Barkey's 5'8", but I think my favorite... My favorite Denver Barkey explanation, this came from the Elite Prospects draft guide, and it was so good. Because, you know, there's that there's that statement. Like, it gets thrown out a lot more over the last couple of years in, like, football and basketball where it's like, that guy's got that dog in him. 
and that it, it's <laughs> well well in in the the elite prospects explanation for for Denver Barkey it was it's not that Denver Barkey has that dog in him it's that dogs have that Denver Barkey in it and I <laughs> I, I love that shit I love that Tremendous. shit that was great Absolutely so so he's tremendous. one of those like he's got a lot of skill but he's also like a real high effort like you know he gives it his freaking all and he's an exciting player i think they're excited about him when we talked to him after the draft he said he models his game after uh braden point all in for that shit um, i'm good with that yeah like that'd be cool and then alex Siernik said he models his game after nikita kucherov also all in for that shit. So, like, I would much rather them be taking swings on those guys in the third and fourth round than, like, to be taking swings. Zach next, Ronaldo. Yeah, like the next Tyrell Goldborn. Like, rather. Goldborn, that's who yeah, I'm thinking there of. There we yeah. go. There we go. Well, he's got NHL legs and no skill. <laughs> Nothing so. else. So, I, yeah. li- I like those Take picks. the swing. Cole Knubel's interesting because he's obviously Mike Knubel's kid. We interviewed him yesterday. I, I swear to you, he is the spitting image of his dad. Like there's some guys, <laughs> there's some guys where like it, they're the the son of an athlete, but they don't look like that guy. Cole Knubel looks like Mike Knubel. He looks like Mike Knubel 20 years ago. It's real funny. Um, so yeah, there's so they took a few picks here. I liked. They took Mike Knubel's kid. They yeah. took Radic Bonk's kid. Anyone else? Did they take any other second generation guys? Yeah, that one of the other guys. I, I don't think. think so. Is there? Cernic maybe has Cernic maybe? Yeah, maybe has I feel like that's spelled different than who I'm I'm thinking of Cernak, not Cernic. Yeah, it's a little bit different. But I, I think his yeah. dad may have been an NHL player. I think I briefly okay. remember looking at that. Um I just I, I think it's a good draft on the whole. I think they took some swings. Um Southern actually on, on Elite Prospects website, um, they had him ranked one spot above Bonk. So and they had him graded mm-hmm. as a second round talent. So like, you know, they took some swings here. I, I'm intrigued. They gave Steph one large adult son that she could get behind just because he's big. Yeah, he's so he. I that's all I need is one. I need one large adult son, and I'm Ma- good. One each. Mateo Man is so much yeah. man. We needed a second end in his last name. <laughs> See, that's what we needed. We I'm needed just, a man with two ends. I'm just happy it didn't take him to like the eighth year of his career to tell somebody there's two ends. Yeah, right. <laughs> Two Nick Grossman references in today's show. What year is it? Uh, <laughs> That's too many. It's too many. We have to uh, we have to take a break because we're like forty minutes in and we barely started the outline. So let's do the uh, let's do the break thing and we'll be back on the other side to wrap up the draft and start talking about uh, former Cal- Cal- Calder Trophy winner Ryan Paling. Welcome back, fam. Uh, I hope you enjoyed that advertisement for products and or services. I know I sure did. I love that thing that we just told you to buy. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> anything uh, anything else on the draft before we move on to the more recent? Because it was like a week ago at this point. Um, Is it? Has it been a the, week? It was just like about, last Wednesday, right? Uh, a week to, oh, yeah, a week on Wednesday. What's uh, today? Yeah, today's Monday. Monday. So it's like a, a half, like a half a week. Time. It ended on Thursday. That was only like a few days ago. I haven't known what day well, it, it is. It was for last week, week that Bear needed his butt surgery that threw off my entire week. So it's been a week. It's been a week. We're Any, it a week. Anything else in the draft before we move on to stuff that happened in the last like 48 hours? Nah, let's go on to the stuff that happened in the last 48 right. hours. Let's talk about it. Uh, I know Ryan Paling didn't actually win the Calder Trophy, as I said, heading into the break. Well, you got um, to give the background here because that was the I, first I will, thing I thought of. I. I forgot all about that, Charlie. And I was just like, oh, I know this name. And 
So in his in his not even rookie year, in his first year as, as a professional in the uh, Montreal system, he comes up on the final day of the season. Paling does plays one game, scores a hat trick, which made him the all time leader in goals per game minimum one game played. <laughs> <laughs> and so when we had our prediction show that summer for the following season, I predicted the all-time leader in goals per game would be the rookie of the year that year. Uh, it turned out not to be. I don't know if he scored three goals in his career since then. Uh, it turned out not to be. Uh, and he's just kind of been a little bit of a journeyman since then. He does become, now that he is signed with the Flyers, the fourth player taken in the first round of the 2017 draft to play in Philadelphia once he does suit up, and uh, the fifth in the top 35, because i got to include my boy in there. Is there... The rat. D- yep. Is there uh, any, like, Tippett-esque late bloomer potential with Ryan Paling? Yeah, I mean, prob- probably not, but, like, this is the kind of guy where if you're in the Flyers' position, like, sure, give him a shot. Give him a shot. Yeah, like, he he can play center. He's a decent skater. He was a former they first-round pick. They do need pick. those. Yeah, he's he's only 24. So, like, yeah, you know, it, it, it's happened before. It has happened before. Guys who are at this age, they can break out late and turn himself into a solid middle sixer. Like, yeah, it, it, it's a cheap signing with a little bit of upside and a guy who, if it turns out they unearth something, he could theoretically fit the timeline of the next good Flyers team. Like, to me, I would rather take a swing at Paling to be your fourth-line center than to pay, you know, like a 38-year-old Pierre Edouard Belmar the same price to be your fourth-line center. As much as I like Belmar, like, this guy at least has some upside. Sure. I don't want to do it to him. I, I, <laughs> Pebbles... <laughs> No, man. Like, keep keep doing your thing out there. You keep playing in Stanley Cup Finals and shit. You served your time here, man. Just be happy elsewhere. But this reminded me of the um, the Kiefer Bellows waiver claim, where it's like, yeah, probably not, but let's see. See what happens. Like, yeah. There's a whole lot of let's see coming up this season, exactly. which is awesome yeah. because so much of last season was a fucking waste of time. Like, yes. let's see is way better than, oh, here we go with this guy again. Like, also, it's so much better with let's see. And I know we're going to get to the other signings too, but like Breer's doing let's see in a way that makes sense, like a one year, yeah. low cost, low stakes deal. Let's see. Not a fucking four year with a full no move. Let's see, which is, you know, not good. So <laughs> wouldn't I, I recommend. Mean, no, should not do. So it, it it's nice. I know we, I've been saying this like over and over again. It's getting ridiculous. But it, all of the choices that he's made so far, even if you don't 100 percent like all of them, the thought process behind them seems so sound. I. I agreed until the other night when I refreshed the uh, ESPN uh, free agent tracker because, you know, I'd reached my limit on Twitter or whatever the fuck the problem was. <laughs> um, and I saw the Flyers sign nearly 32-year-old veteran winger Garnett Hathaway. Um, Listen. He that can't is an fit on your players if he's on your team. You know what I'm saying? That is... I don't even care about that. It just <laughs> seems like... 
Like, this is a dude who is on Tortorella's list, like, get me this guy. I, I don't, yeah. Maybe it's very popular. I just don't see how he, like... It feels like Right wing signing. is the one thing we're good on. I don't need no more right wingers. So what else... I it- understand some trades could be coming and some guys could get shuffled around. I just don't understand this signing. So what I'll say about Hathaway is, like, I don't think he doesn't fit. It's just, it very much, like... To me, the Hathaway signing strikes me as more like, hey, this guy is good, which he is. He is a legitimately good fourth liner. He is one of those guys where, like, he can have 200 hits in a season and also drive play. So, like, he makes everyone happy. He's good. But he is a fourth liner. Like, he's a good fourth liner. And to me, this just strikes me as a, as a thing where, like, they liked him. They think he's a good player. And he was willing to take a two-year term for a reasonable cap hit that doesn't negatively impact their ability to rebuild. So why not get an entertaining player who fits the style of play they want the team to play? I was going to say, he's a flyer. Like that, that to me is this move (laughs) where it's like, it doesn't hurt them really. He's a good player. He'll probably be able to help the fourth line not suck because he's good. And it's not like it hurts. And like, they could always trade him. Like, he's good enough where, like, they could trade him at this deadline or the next deadline and get assets for him. So it's very much like, why not? My only fear here is that, like, I wonder if this is going to hurt Wade Allison's chances of making a mark because I think he actually could be part of the future and Hathaway really won't be. But also, like, Wade, if you can't beat out Garnet Hathaway for a job, maybe you shouldn't be part of the future anyway. So, like, whatever. But also, like, not able to beat out or coach just happens to like that. That's fair. Fair point. Yeah, like, I just see we yeah, have all the... Allison. We have just so many goddamn forwards. Like, obviously, TK, but then Farabee, Tippett, uh, like, Allison, as we mentioned. Cates can play center and wing. Lazinski can play center and wing. And then you look... You, you look at the, the Phantoms roster... Bobby Brink, Tyson Forster, Desnoyer. Like, they just, it seems like they don't need to go out and get 32-year-old forwards. It's not going to hurt them. It's not bad. I just don't really understand. Yeah, I mean, guys get hurt, and, you know, guys struggle, like, that you don't expect to struggle. So I don't really have a problem with this move because I think he's a good player. I think he'll have value on the market to get future picks. And if there's anybody he's boxing out, it's probably somebody who was never going to be good enough to be part of the next Grey Flyers team anyway, because if you're not good All enough right. to box out Garnet Hathaway, then, like, sorry, you're probably just, you probably shouldn't be around in four years. So, like, it, it, I, I, <laughs> I understand where you're coming from, Bill, and I have those same concerns, no, it's, but it's also just, it's, like, I don't think it hurts one way or the other. I think it's just going to no, be a guy that fans are going to like because he hits and is pretty good. It's a minor gripe. I, I'm not like, oh, well, the fucking offseason's a failure because they went out and wasted this money. Like, no, I don't think that. I just find it odd. No, um, Bill's, Bill's right, though, because he is going to box out some young player that is better than him because Tortorella likes him better. Like, that's and, 100% going to happen. That will be the only Twitter discourse for, like, six <laughs> different weeks this season. It'll like, be on a different website because I don't know about that one. <laughs> seems to be on Oh, no one's fucking leaving. It's all goddamn. Anyway. I'm um, not leaving. I'm not leaving. <laughs> <laughs> uh, another obvious Tortorella guy, uh, because he played for him for five years with the Rangers, 
Mark Stahl. Had to what are we doing here? Rough, didn't we? Yeah. <laughs> what are we doing here? I mean, like, I I always thought they wanted they wanted to get a, de- a depth defenseman, a veteran guy, and this is that guy. Uh-huh. I, he, apparently, like we talked we talked to Briere today, and Briere basically was like, "We never expected Mark Saul was even going to want to join the Flyers, but apparently, <laughs> he wants to be like near his family and stuff." And I don't know. When I heard that, I was like, d- "Like Danny, who are we talking about here?" Like. Well, Mark Stahl, like he's a highly sought after enough player. I mean, he's fine. He was in the top four for Florida. He was in the on playoffs. a good team. That said, he didn't do well in those minutes, but he I did was get going the minutes. To say, he did like, get the minutes. Are <laughs> we're like collectively as a society? I think we've all come to terms with the fact that Florida was goalie and nothing else. Like Mark Stahl didn't really do anything. He was just there. Oh. Good for him. The, the goalie, and then which allowed. Kachuk to have the greatest fucking, like, since Danny Briere just clutch goal after clutch goal. You can barely believe it. Uh, but, yes, it, it, that's basically what it was. Uh, this one makes more sense to me than Hathaway, because even though he's, like, you know, an old guy, you do need, much like the uh, much like the Palin signing, uh, Palin, not, not Sarah Palin, <laughs> much like the Ryan... I can't say it anymore. I've lost the thread. Uh, much like that signing... You do kind of need to put young guys sometimes with somebody just competent. Like, it's it's not going to be a shit show out there. Like, it's not going to be, oh yeah, Nick Sealer's the veteran on this pair. Like, that probably doesn't help anyone in terms yeah. of just, like, building confidence and learning how to play in the league. So, I like, this makes a little more sense to me. And once again, you can trade him. He's also got a giant orange beard, so you know. Yeah, well, well they we had to hit to that then. quota. Yeah, another was... guy that they can put in the back of a picture to trick people into believing that Ryan Ellis still exists. <laughs> I I do think, and you hinted at this, Bill. I do think that there's like, unless he's just really, really bad in Philly, and like, yeah, he's going to be 37 in January. This could turn out to be a Keith Yandel situation, but unless he's really, really bad in Philly, like. He's going to have value at the deadline. And I straight up asked Briere today, like, did you talk to him about the possibility of being traded? And Briere said, yeah, we talked about it. And basically what Briere said was that, look, like, I'm going to have a conversation with Mark at that time if we're out of, if we're out of playoff contention. And if Mark wants to go chase down a cup again, we'll find yes. a spot for him. So, like, I think they're doing this with— Or we won't like, and say too bad. Yeah. I, but I think they're— <laughs> Oh, no, they, that was they the made, other guy. They made this signing with the idea of, like, He's going to spend two-thirds of the year playing third pair of minutes, mentoring the kids, all the defensemen that are up there, and then come February, it's going to be happy trails, Mark for a fourth-round pick. Because, look, like, hockey men just watch Mark Stahl be a top-four defenseman on the team that went to the cup final. You cannot tell me that when February rolls around, they're all not going to convince themselves— Hey, man, this guy's built for the playoffs. He might not be having that great of a year, but, man, when the playoffs roll around, Mark Stahl's going to help us, and they're going to toss the yeah. Flyers a draft. Like, it's, it's inevitable. It's what they say, man. It's what That's they what do. That's what they say. It's, it's, you, can't, you can't deny yourself the opportunity to acquire playoff Mark Stahl if such an opportunity prevents exactly. it, that presents itself. It's truly... I mean, he, he's been to what? Like, two Stanley Cup finals? Yeah, he was with the Rangers for the one. Yeah, I, I think yeah. he's. I think I looked at it. He's played in like 120 playoff games. So like, yeah, I mean the experience is just it's essential. 128. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So it's 
it's fine. It's someone competent to play with, hopefully, like a young guy in the you know third pair or whatever the hell it is. Uh, I want to get. It's a late round draft pick next year. Yeah, that's what that's what this deal is. They'll get more for him than they did Kevin Hayes. Um, Probably. Honestly, you're probably right. Probably. I'm willing to bet on it. Yeah, Um, I'm not going to take that bet because I think you're right. Yes. I uh, I want to get to some of the old stuff because we haven't done a show since like the whole shit show unfolded uh, last weekend. Start with the uh, Sanheim. Now is no trade has kicked in. They weren't able to trade him beforehand. Thanks, it seems, to Tory Krug not waiving his own no trade clause. What the hell happened? Because I was only following. I was on vacation. I honestly don't know exactly what was going down with all these rumors. I'm just getting texts from friends like, yeah. "What's going on here?" I'm seeing rumors. I'm like, "I'm drunk at the beach." I don't know. Yeah, I was at the Phillies game. I'm gonna let Charlie <laughs> give you the full background. But I just want to react to it real quickly in that I'm glad and also not glad that this trade deal didn't go down. I'm glad because I like Travis Sandheim and I think he's got a great spot on this team in the future. But upset because I think it would have been a friggin' great trade just to look at as a hockey fan. I think it would have been a lot of fun to see. It would have been... I think it would have been a really good trade for the Flyers because essentially what the, what the deal ultimately was going to be, and I think there may have been other smaller pieces, like maybe some like contracts being sent like the other team's way or whatever, but the crux of the deal was going to be the Flyers were giving up Kevin Hayes, and they, I think they were probably going to retain 50% like they ended up doing anyway. I would assume. And Travis Sanheim with no retention for Tory Krug, who has four more years left on pretty much an identical contract to, to Sanheim from a Capit standpoint, and one of the Blues' late first-round picks. Now, this would have been a great deal for the Flyers because ultimately they ended up getting a sixth-round pick for Hayes. So clearly Hayes didn't have much value. Basically what they would have been doing is they would have been turning eight years of Travis Sanheim, like eight years left on Sanheim's deal, for only four more years left on Krug's deal, which much better fit with their rebuild timeline. And getting another first-round pick back in addition. So they would have gotten out from under the Sandheim deal, basically turned eight years into four and gotten a third first-round pick. This would have been a great deal for the Flyers. Now, it didn't happen because Tory Krug did not want to join the Flyers, which, like, people gave him a lot of shit for it. I don't blame him. Like, in no way, shape, or form do I blame him for not wanting to join a team that is actively rebuilding. Like, I get it. Guy negotiated no trade clause. He didn't want to come here. There's also... Do, who who did who was it reported that he spoke to on the flyers? Kevin Hayes. <laughs> Kevin Hayes. Kevin Hayes. But wasn't there someone else? It was to... Kevin oh, Hayes and, and then someone else Atkinson. who mm. and and Cam Atkinson, who the Flyers haven't treated poorly. But why would you his injury perhaps Kevin Hayes? though? Yeah, that's fair. But like, there is this whole the whole thing about how they were building the team around Kevin Hayes and then they try and trade Kevin Hayes but also try and leverage his experience with the team to convince Tory Krug. Well, Krug well to no, sign. I don't think I don't think they leveraged it. They leveraged Atkinson. I think Krug just reached out to Hayes on his own because they're buddies. Yeah, because they're buddies. Because Hayes is yeah. buddies with like half the league. Everyone fucking likes him except for John Tortorella. <laughs> except for John Tortorella. Oh my god. I, I wanted to mention this earlier. And it just slipped my mind because we've had like a million conversations. How much like Kevin Hayes being the gregarious personality that he is. How much of Tortorella's treatment of him do you think was genuine? And how much of it was like, I'm going to make an example out of this one. 
Like he's the funny guy. Like it's a fair point. I mean, a little of both. I'm sure. I really I can, wonder. I can see Tortorella not liking someone who like jokes around, jokes around and fucks when around they lose. And, yeah. Like yeah, like is happy. Like you know, happy when you lose a game or whatever. I, I there's a lot of things about Kevin Hayes I can see John Tortorella not liking. The thing is though, like you don't always have to like everyone that you work with, and so like maybe. You know, I grow up. I think that if this was the case, I think it was less about them not clicking personality wise because Kevin Hayes is too happy go lucky. Like, I really don't think that played into it much because, like, he gets along with Travis Konechny and Travis Konechny is a maniac. So, like, I don't think it was that. But what I could theoretically see is Tortorella came in being like, it's kind of like the idea of, you know, I'm the new guy in school. I'm gonna beat up the biggest the biggest guy in in the schoolyard to show that like, like I'm the one in premeditated, charge. He premeditated. He not like there was nothing Kevin Hayes could have done. It's, and maybe just maybe, he doesn't. Maybe there's a way he just doesn't like the way he plays hockey. A yeah. lot of people don't. Yeah. Look look at Twitter. Uh, but like yeah, I right. do feel well, like there hold was. Hold on, because th- you're you're saying that, and when John Tortorella signed his contract, when we heard that he was going to be the the Flyers head coach, he specifically yeah. said Kevin Hayes was his first phone yeah. call. So I don't think you're wrong. I, I think there was. I don't. Th- yeah. I, I think there was. There's, there's an element ooh, here. I. Evidence. There's an element here. I think like Torts didn't like the locker room and decided he wanted to take control Fair. of the locker room. And Kevin Hayes was the guy who like was kind of the central hub of the locker room. So going to war with him was sort of sending a message to everyone else that, like, don't get comfortable. You know what I mean? Like, I, I'm sure that played into it a bit. I want to get into the Sandheim of, of this for a minute and just reflect back on where we were a year ago with this team. Imagine, imagine. Now, Travis Sandheim is not a bad player, but he is by no means... An eight-year, $6.25 million player. And if you are to hand him that contract, imagine giving him a full no-trade clause for the first four years of it and a limited no-trade for the last four years. Like, what, what didn't his agent get? I would like, like, did he ask for a fucking pony too? Like, is is the Wells Fargo Center gonna be called the fucking Sandheim Stadium? Like, that's what he didn't give. What didn't Chuck Fletcher give Travis Sandheim when you look at this contract that they now will never be able to trade? We will see Travis Sandheim for at least I six years. I don't know about that. I, I feel. I think he has value. No, Not I, at that price. I think they tried to they tried to trade him at the draft, and I don't think a lot of teams. I think the Blues are one of the few teams that were legitimately yeah. really interested in him. I think teams pulled up cap friendly and went, "No fucking thank you." <laughs> uh, he's, yeah, he's not. No one should ever sign like, any. Yeah, how? Yeah. How did they come contract. to these terms? Yeah, my thing. I, I would love to know what yeah. they asked for. My hundred million dollars. The day that deal got signed, my thing with that deal was like, look. If you were going to give him, like, giving him eight years, given the flyer situation, was already dumb. But if you've, if you've decided you have to give him eight years, like, 
and you give him that a year early? Like, it's like they gave him eight years and also got him at market value. Like, if it would be one thing if they got him at eight years, but he was willing to, like, take a $4.5 million cap it. I still wouldn't have loved the deal, but I would have at least understood it. It's like, okay, yeah, you're getting, a, not bad. you're getting a big-ass bargain because you gave him eight years. Instead, you gave him eight years and you paid him what he's worth on a yearly basis. Like, where's And the, you can never trade him. Where's the deal here? I, 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 it's truly one of the worst. Like, I really feel like he must have pulled up like Bryce Harper's contract and was like, "Oh well, it's not, it's not thirteen years, three hundred and thirty million. I must be getting a point." Like, I, he was looking at the wrong sport or something. Chuck Flat. Oh my god, I don't even think we've begun to unearth how bad he was at his job. Uh, he speaking put, of. He- he put I'm, Travis Sanheim into the the app that was built for him, which I'm convinced was just cap friendly, and it told him what his market value was. So he was like, "Oh, well, that's the app told me." Speaking this of hilarious, so. speaking of hilariously bad uh, Fletcher deals, Tony D'Angelo. <laughs> well, he's it's gone like, for sure, right? It's like, like <laughs> confirmed. Well, I, I mean, I, I, I guess. Right? I, Right? I guess it's not confirmed like the, until it happens, but it looks like the it's fact that the Hurricanes, the fact that the Hurricanes got what they got for him, the Flyers paid him what they paid him, and now the Flyers have to retain half of it just to send him back for nothing it's close so to good. what they gave up for him it's is so the good. funniest shit that real uh, like when that happens, I want to know what Chuck Fletcher's thinking, like. What really do you feel about the job you did here deep down <laughs> when you see that happen? Because if you if you land anywhere shy of incompetence and that's the ceiling, like you are fucking delusional. And the fact that the NHL is looking at this like, oh, this isn't actually legal. Like, guys, stop. stop. Yeah, no one was playing fucking chess with this no, one, boy. Yeah, it was just an Chuck idiot Fletcher, like, yeah, Chuck Fletcher trying to play goddamn Uno by himself. Like, no, no one was playing chess. Oh my god, I, I'm just, I'm baffled by this, but also it's so funny. So my is it gonna go the, through the when the date comes up, or have they moved on? Because they signed another. No, defense. no. So my understanding is this deal's still happening. I I talked yeah. to I talked to somebody at the draft. To be clear, not Eric Tulsi. I did not talk to Eric Tulsi actually at all at the draft. But I talked to somebody. That means he did. I, I talked to somebody affiliated <laughs> with the Canes who basically said like, yeah, this deal's still happening. Like Don Waddell still plans to do the deal. I we asked Danny about it on the first and. Danny basically was like, I'm not going to talk about negotiations. And then like two hours later, Don Waddell goes up in front of the media and is like, yeah, we're doing the D'Angelo deal. It's happening on July 8th. So I was like, thanks, Don. Th- thanks for telling us what Danny wouldn't. <laughs> so yes, I think this deal is still happening. It's just is happening it on like, July 8th. The fact that they went out and got Orlov, the fact that like Brent Burns is already there. I, I feel like it doesn't make sense for them. Yeah, they know he. F- I, they know he fits. They wanted to replace him for Gossesberry, I think. And also, <laughs> it's the. How about I choose that? to believe that they they know this is the funniest possible outcome for the entire league to enjoy I, for a moment. So they're just gonna let it happen. It's my favorite. Like, Mitchkov. Mitchkov is great, but like, I don't get to. It was fun when they did it, but I'm not gonna enjoy it for three years. Right. You know, it's down the line enjoyment. This is going to be funny for a year, maybe two. It's like, just like it's... a literal circle where, like, <laughs> like, like Chuck Fletcher ran the bases on this and like was getting punched in the face at every opportunity, <laughs> and then he gets all the way back around to yeah, it was very good. All right, do uh, do we have anything else? There's a couple other things I just want to run through, and then we can wrap up. Yeah, just do some rapid fire. 
Yeah. Uh, bye bye JVR. He goes to. Oh, uh, yeah. He that goes guy. back to New England where he played his uh, college hockey. Yeah. One year, one mil. Boston, Boston <laughs> where no one knows his name. Aww. One year, one mil. <laughs> oh, get it. Um, Good for him. Why do the Panthers love X-Flyers goalies so much? They lose Alex Lyon to the Red Wings and immediately go get Stoli the goalie. What are they doing down there? Is Stoli? Is he? Good. He's still a thing. He's like, all right. Yeah, he's like he's a, he's, all right. he's a third goalie. I think he'll tie. Okay. He'll be a third goalie. He's the first guy you call up when a guy gets injured. Fair enough. Which always, is who took them to the playoffs yeah. last year. Always so. goes through waivers at the end of camp, clears, and then gets called up when somebody gets hurt. That's that's Anthony Stolarz. Uh, how funny is the Leaves signing Reeves? Oh God, it's so good! <laughs> like I love when the Leaves do this kind of shit. It's They're the just most going, going ham. Up they there. they are so us, man. Like they really they, are. Their management believes the narratives of their dumbest fans. Yeah, like it's, yes! it's true. And their dumbest. It's such writers. a good way to put it. The, yes. Yeah, and like their craziest media members who are just there to stir shit. Yep. it's truly like the team. I, Man, like, go on Twitter and follow people who are smart. They can explain it far better than me. But it seems as if nobody has scored a goal for them outside of their high-priced four guys in, like, three years. And their solution is, we need more defensemen and fighters. I mean, they made... Yeah, they're getting pushed around. They made some decent... They made some decent signings. They got Bertuzzi on a one-year deal. Like, that'll that'll work. They've they've done some other good things, too. But, yes, like... The Ryan it's Reeves deal to give a 36-year-old three years. Three and years! And his job is basically just to beat the crap out of people. Like, this is why, and I, I've made this point, this is why if the Flyers ever want to trade Nick DeLaurier, they will find a market. Because, like, oh, yeah. Ryan Reeves just got three years at age 36. DeLaurier is younger and is basically just Ryan Reeves. He's right. They're yeah. around to be tough guys. There's always a team that wants to get a tough guy. It's always somebody. Speaking of tough guys, when when Luke Shen left here, what was it, January of 2016, like right at the turn of the year, I think. Sounds about right. At age at age 26. Did you expect him to have this like his career arc is nuts. It felt like it was kind of over for him and then a few years at like Okay, he plays a couple years, then he's a part-time player in Tampa. It's like he's credited as part of the guys they brought in to make them tougher. It's like he didn't he didn't play that much for them in the <laughs> regular season or the playoffs. It wasn't really a big factor, but since then, like, has gone on to continue to have this career. Now at 34, he's with Nashville, still still being Luke Shea. I just I thought he'd be done by 30 or 32, yeah. and it kind of looked like it was trending that way. And here he is, still Luke Shannon around. I'm just, I'm him. impressed by the guy's career arc. That's all. He squeezed a lot out of a talent base that probably was best suited for before the lockout. That's yeah, yeah. He's yeah. like, uh, bringing him in is like when the Flyers went out and got Hatcher and yeah. Ratchy and Tarion and we're like, this is how we're going to slow teams down. Like, no, they're, they're going to get skated by. And they did. <laughs> they did. But hell. Good for Luke Shen making that money. Good for him. Uh, all right, we got anything else, or are we done for the night? Yeah, I think we're good. All right. Crushed. And that will do it for uh, Broad Street Hockey. Thank you all for listening. 
And that is all the time we have for you today on Broad Street. I was like, what is my outro? What am I talking about? Uh, thank you all for listening. Thank you for hanging out. If you haven't already, you got to hit that subscribe button and check out the new BroadStreetHockey.com. Subscribe. Do it. Why not? Uh, my name is Bill Matz. For Kelly, for Charlie, for Steph, have a great week, everybody. It's 2023 and you're still looking for a baseball podcast? What's up, party people? Danny Vietti here from the Wake and Rake podcast. Yes, I know the name of our show, Freakin' Rocks. Join World Series champion Will Middlebrooks and I as we banter about the best of the best from Major League Baseball, including power rankings. One of the best players of all time. Headlines. Solidifies a dynasty. And special guests. Reese Hoskins. Throw Show. Jose Trevino. Listen and or watch every episode of the Wake and Rake podcast, available on all your favorite listening platforms and the all-new Believe Sports channel.